I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, never give up, or maybe give up. We talk about strength found in surrendering with Megan Hanlon. Plus, the water isn't fine for biz. Woo! This is a check-in. Tonight, my kid asked me if televisions existed when I was a kid. (laughs) Yay for that. (laughs) Hope you guys all had a great day. Thanks for the show. That made my day better. (laughs) Now I'm not the only person in the world whose children act surprised about things that, you know, either didn't exist or did exist when I was a child, because all I am at this point is old to them. They're like, you're old. What? You're that old? Yeah. Wow. I wish I knew what you had said, or if you had just walked away. That just really goes in that long list of horrible things that your children say to you that you're really not allowed to respond to (laughs) if it was a stranger. My children know that TVs existed when I was a kid, but they also know that in my day we had three channels and we had to get up off the couch and go over and flip the dial. Why were there more channels on the dial? There should have only been three. And then we had the remote control that we called a clicker. And if you stood just right next to the television set, touching the rabbit ears, you could pick up TBS. Wow! Oh, you're doing a wonderful job surviving in this century. Good job. Speaking of good jobs, it's time for thank yous. I'm going to start today off with a thank you to people who have figured out better ways to let people know what their mask mandate rules are. Here in California, the mask mandate has lifted for outside and inside if you're vaccinated. You can go inside without a mask if you're vaccinated. One shop that I went into said, if you are not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask. Now, I, this, is, this is one of those setups where like, it feels like, well, I don't want people to know that I'm not vaccinated. So I'm just going to lie with my face by not wearing a mask. And then for people like me, who may never take a mask off ever again, I've, am I, I'm like, am I, do people think that I didn't get vaccinated? So that's stressful. But then I went into another store that said California has recently lifted their mask mandate. We encourage you to do whatever makes you feel the most comfortable. And I thought that was so nice. Sort of a masks not required, but we are still mask friendly, right? Like we're not. So uh, just uh, just thank you, especially to that store, 
who figured out a nice way to say it, and to all the people out there who are trying to figure out how to craft these things. So thank you. Thank you, teachers. Thank you, all the people who work in schools, school psychologists, school nurses, principals, uh, heads, PE faculty. Thank you. Thank you to people who work with the PTA or the WPO or the WPO or the WTO. They're all called different things. But basically, you are parents who are out there trying to help make things happen, community events happen at your school and to support your teachers and your families. Thank you for doing that. Thank you to everybody in the medical profession. You know who you are. You're very tired. Uh, And I love you. And I see you. And like I've been saying recently on the show, I just walk around in awe and gratitude for really everyone. I like it, it takes so much to keep day-to-day life happening. And I have definitely felt the impact of when day-to-day life can't happen because of COVID, because of restrictions, or because of any of the things that were happening to us before the pandemic. Thank you, everyone, for showing up. And thank you for staying home if you're sick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of showing up, I mentioned last week that Ellis had said they were ready for swim classes, and they wanted to start taking them. If you've listened to the show for a long time, Ellis, not a fan of water. Probably the fact that we haven't been near a pool in two years because of the pandemic, some things might have gotten mixed up with his memories, what he thinks a pool is, (laughs) what he thinks he needs to do in a pool. So we were all very excited that they were showing interest and ready. Ellis is eight. And we have tried swimming lessons in the past, and they did not work. Or they, they weren't suited to Ellis's style. So with him saying that he wanted to jump in, as it were, we jumped in. We signed him up for a beginner's class at our local aquatic center. And he just sat on the edge of the pool the whole time with his feet in. <laughs> I have this saddest little picture. But actually, it's not the saddest. It's very brave that Ellis was willing to sit on the edge of the pool and not just run screaming from the entire thing. Turns out, if you are above the age of six, beginner class still means you're jumping right on in that water. I reached out to the aquatic center saying, "Mm, we really need uh, somebody or a class geared towards. I'm totally terrified of drowning in water. (laughs) I need one of those. So it just was like, it was lessons learned, you know, I learned a little something. Ellis learned a little something. I'm still proud of him for showing up and I'm proud of him for being able to tell me how he felt about the entire experience. And this will not be how we approach it. We'll find another way to approach it. Because, you know, sometimes you just got to know when to let go and to not keep pushing something, which I think ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is the strength of surrendering with Megan Hanlon. 
please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, I am very excited to be welcoming Megan Hanlon, who is, surprise, a wife, mother, and sometimes writer. <laughs> her work has appeared in Mother Magazine, Motherwell, and Her View from Home, among others, and will be included in an upcoming anthology from Our Galaxy Publishing. Her blog, Sugar Pig, is known for relentlessly honest essays that are equal parts tragedy and comedy. That is probably a tagline of parenthood right there. For her paying job, Megan is associate producer of the Crazy Good Turns podcast. Welcome, Megan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. I am know that I already love you and want to be best friends, really, just from the articles I've read and your bio. So we'll we'll jump in to all of those things and start making friendship bracelets. I love it. Yeah. You know, just crack. It's a great idea. I have a small wrist, just FYI. Oh, so, good. To the, I so do too. I, if it's adjustable, that's better, yeah. but I'll take whatever you give me. No, I do think it's good when there's an adjustment. To the, but those were always like one step beyond my crafting abilities. <laughs> I just tie it till it falls off. All right. Who lives in your house? Uh, well, myself, of course. Okay. And then uh, my husband, he, uh, we have been married for almost 15 years. And then we have two children. Uh, our son just turned nine and a daughter who is six. And we also have a very disobedient Boston Terrier. And nice. he is currently locked up in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of your terrier. I would like to be locked in a bathroom myself right now. He has his own pillow. Yeah. I gave him a cookie. See? I mean, things couldn't be better for him right now. So so he is doing really well. He's happy to be in there, I'm sure. <laughs> I love it. So, Megan, you have written for lots of places. One of the places you write for is one of our absolutely favorite websites, and that would be Mother Magazine. They are just an amazing place for people to go and connect. And I actually want to start with one of the pieces that you wrote for them called The Strength of Surrender. This is a piece in which you talk about how we don't always give credit to the strength that it takes to give up. Uh, And I would really like to just start with that piece. Talk to me about writing that piece. (laughs) Sure. So the piece is about my mother's choice to surrender me into protective care, into foster care when I was 17 years old. And it was my senior year in high school. And as you can, as you can read in the piece, it was sort of a, a long infuriating and sad story about how we got to that point where I was no longer safe in my home and I had moved out and I was living with a couple that I had met at church and they had a lot of difficult and unwelcoming stipulations that came along with my staying there. And I had said in the piece that it was a place to land, but it was, it was not home. And then I, I kind of needed that. So the 
counselor at my school had gotten word that I wasn't living with my parents anymore. She kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, what's going on? What can I help with? That eventually led to me being put into foster care. And it was it was a choice that my mother had. It was voluntary surrender, which they had, and I, I think has always been open in Texas where I grew up, but most people don't know about it. But my mom had, she was facing eviction and foreclosure. She didn't have water or heat at the time. There was no way for me to do my homework or take my showers, anything like that. It was, it was obviously somewhere that I couldn't stay. I didn't have any other relatives or friends that could take me in at the time. So I went into foster care and I stayed there from October through May. It was two weeks before graduation when I left. And so as I've always remembered that and experienced that from my own side, right? how it impacted me, how I felt about it. It's, it's a fact. It's something that happened. I'm not, I don't broadcast it, but I, I'm also not going to shy away from it because it's part of who I am. So uh, it's just been recently that I started to think about what was that like for my mom And I think that happened because I have two kids of my own. I am, my youngest just went into kindergarten this school year. And so I've had to leave her with strangers, with people and trust that she would be taken care of. And then also, as, as indicated in the piece I wrote, my mother died when I was 26. So it wasn't 10 years later. And it was around the time of the anniversary of her passing that I really started to think about what was her life like as a mother. I never really knew her as an adult. I only knew her from me being a child. And those are two totally different relationships that you have with your parents. And so I started to think about how, how exactly did this happen? Did did my school counselor call her and say, look, this this isn't a good situation. You're, we're going to have to move her somewhere. Or did my mom call the school and say, I don't know what to do because she can't stay here anymore? I don't have those details. I've never had those details. But I did wonder what it was like for her to maybe feel like the one thing that she was tasked with, which was raising and taking care of a child, you know, one of the biggest responsibilities you can have. Did she feel like she failed at that because she was unable to take care of me anymore? And while that is true, she somehow had the strength and the fortitude to say, I can't do this and let go and and see me off into somebody else's home, which was, it must have been incredibly, incredibly difficult for her. I can't imagine how hard that was, especially so soon, knowing that I was going to leave for college. And this was my senior year that she was missing. And I just thought about how much, how much strength it takes to give up. And, and we, we often malign people that give up and say, well, they quit and they just didn't try hard enough. Sometimes you have to give up and knowing when to do that is, is an enormous source of strength and courage that, that isn't talked about enough. I know that for me, when kids got into my house, and it wasn't like right away. I mean, there was some early stages where I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry (laughs) to my parents, right? Like early where you're like, wow, how did you guys do this? Because I'm failing miserably at this. Like I'm seeing eyeballs in the boiling water, right? I'm so sleep deprived and crazy. And 
Then as they got older and I started, like, you start getting faced with some of those choices of what to say, how to say it, what are you going to do in this situation when they do this, when they have, you know, lied about this or done this, right? Like, and I, like, immediately, for a lot of us, you kind of go back to your own experiences. And it really forces you to view your parents in a different way. And I I agree. I think we live in a society in which giving up is frowned upon and, and has definitely a connotation to it that is loaded. I think women, especially mothers, really, <laughs> really get it. I mean, like, what? You don't like it? You didn't like Childbirth, you, you, know, you, you failed. It's what? You mm-hmm. don't enjoy you don't enjoy not sleeping ever again? You failed. Oh, is your body not quite right anymore? You failed if you don't like it. It it makes sense that as your children got older, that this would be something you had to process and go through. And I guess one of my other questions regarding the specific experience for you was what was that process like we all have things in our growing up like we all have things that we have to forgive for our parents we have to try and understand if we if we can that's a hard thing you did that's a hard thing you did good job but that's hard <laughs> thank you <Yeah>. thank you <laughs> i cried I yeah. cried writing it. I cried trying to step into her shoes and picture her, you know, sitting yeah. at the breakfast table and looking out the window into the, literally the cow pasture that was next to our trailer yeah. and trying to figure out what was she, what was she thinking? What was she feeling? If it were me, what would, how would I think and feel about it? Uh, yeah. So I definitely cried. There were absolutely tears. There were tears when I sent it to Mother Magazine and they agreed to print it because oh. I was concerned that people would look down on my mother and say that she failed right. and judge her for this decision that she made. But I have never been, I wasn't then and I'm not now angry with her or think that think of her as a failure or think that she, for one minute, I don't think she did anything other than make the best decision she had out of a, an array of really crappy decisions. Those were, those were her only options. And I I gotta say what a gift and what grace you have given to women who have had to make hard decisions. Like this. I think, and they're all hard. There's they're they're, all hard. Yeah, there yeah, is no suck. easy decision yeah. in parenting, <laughs> no. right? No, it's always, and it always comes with a big suitcase full of what if, what mm-hmm. did I, could I, which ties into your next piece. I mean, you you started the surrender piece by mentioning that you know when it came to having your own children, the fertility issues that you had having to reach a moment for yourself that was, I am quitting this. I am giving this up, right? And then you do this amazing piece about the unknowable weight of origin in which you you worry about the what is and what if of motherhood, given that your children were conceived with the help of an egg donor. Right. And like, will you be enough? And I... To put those two pieces, A, 
how far apart did you write those pieces? Because as a reader who read them back to back, there is some major crossover. I mean, those are a lot of threads that just, ooh. I've been in therapy for a long time, so I understand. (laughs) You pull one thread, you pull all the threads. Oh, does everything connect it somehow? Surprise! I guess my first question is, how close were those pieces together? And my next question is, it sounds like you might have gone through this process of stopping, of letting go, of giving up, whatever words you want to do before maybe coming to terms with your mom's choices. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. I I think it does make sense. The, uh, The pieces were written probably about eight or 10 months apart. Okay. And one was around the anniversary of my mom's death. And then the other one was written more in the fall. And my mom's birthday and my daughter's birthday both occur in November. Mm. The date of my mom's death and my son's birthday both occur in February. So the the fall winter season is kind of a lot for me. (laughs) That's a lot. Whoa. (laughs) It's kind of a lot. Lots of feelings, lots of things to go through. (laughs) lots of ups and downs with putting things together that are both happy and tragic. And it's, it's a really tough time for me. So one of the ways that I process and get through that is writing about it. And I absolutely knew and thought when I was writing that piece on surrendering, I thought, well, what are some times when people give up? And it's, it's not what they want to do, but it's for the best and things like divorces. And the, the thing that came to my mind automatically was fertility treatments because I had been through that myself and I had had to reach that point where I said, I can't continue to do this. I can't, I've exhausted all my options and I have to be done and let it go. And so that was one of the reasons that I absolutely did include it. And that's also hard. I just, you're doing a good job. I'm just also pointing out that, like, not that you need to hear it, but, like, that's hard. And I think we carry around stuff like that without, I don't know, I really like it when people are like, God, Biz, that is a shit show you're going through. That's hard that you're still functioning. And so (laughs) you will even cross the street, right? So, like, I just want to say to you, that is also hard because there is so much bullshit tied in with women's bodies and motherhood and fertility and failure, whatever Mm -hmm. that shit is. And it's hard to go through the experience and it's hard to make the choice to stop it and consider other options. And I I just want to say. Thank you. It's, um... (laughs) It's an incredibly comforting thing to be able to tell somebody else, I don't know what to tell you, but it sucks. And I I don't know how to help, but I will sit here with you and we will have a drink together and we'll cry together and we'll talk about how much it sucks. And that is what I go for on my social media. It's what I go for on my blog to say, look, I don't have any answers. I am not, I am not a positive person. I am not a glass half full person. I am not going to tell you that this is going to get any better and that it's all worth it. I'm not. But I will sit here and go, you know what? That is shitty. That is shitty. I agree with you. (laughs) And just that validation is so, so important. One of the things, I had a really, really tough 
transition into motherhood. And later on, I came to recognize it as pretty bad postpartum depression. But at the time, I just thought, this is really hard. And I was talking to a friend of mine about just about how much I didn't enjoy it. And I kept waiting for it to all be worth it. And it was just so hard. And I, you know, I said, I, am I the only one much like you, Biz? I said, am I the only one who feels this way? Yeah. My friend looked at me and she said, you know, I think most people feel this way. The difference is you're honest about it. Yeah. And so then I started looking around for the other honest people that we could be honest together. Let's come be honest together and and not sugarcoat this and not use all the flowery, pretty language about how beautiful and wonderful motherhood is. Because it is, but it also isn't. Well, right. You get to have both. Yes. Both get to exist in the same place without negating one another. Right. Yes. Joy. They're very funny. They do things that I'm very pleased with. Also, tired, not a self, like don't yes. want to hear another voice. Exactly, want, yes. Right? Like, it, but, right? And you're not a monster for for feeling the one way and you're not a saint for feeling the other, right? Like, right. But that doesn't mean that that pressure isn't there right. all the time. Yes. And there is a similar dichotomy that I wrote about in the unknowable weight of origin yeah. where the very thing that made me their mother also put a wall between us and made me other. And I I will never forget my son was an infant. We were going to see a specialist about something that thankfully turned out to be nothing. But I guess there was a, a checklist that the nurse was going through before we saw the doctor. And she had listed me as mother-other. No. Yes. And so the doctor came in. The doctor came in and was going through everything. And okay, you're a non-smoking household. You don't feel unsafe. And your mother other. And I, it didn't hit me until years later, just how demeaning that was and how undermining that was that I had to explain. Yes. I gave birth to him. I carried him in my yeah. womb, but we used donor eggs because yeah. of this whole saga of cancer and a diminished ovarian reserve and yeah. this horrible it's story. Your, it's also none of your business. This is how uh, well, we had a baby. This is how a that, baby came into our house. Exactly. Yes. And how, however you came to it, here I yeah. am. And yeah. It, you know, took to refer to, he didn't mean anything by it, I, I know, know, but I know, for but years, I, I haven't forgotten. I mean, no. that was, that was more than eight years ago now. And I, I haven't forgotten being referred to by a doctor as mother other, even though I literally pushed him out of my yeah. body. Yeah. So it's, it's the same sort of, the same dichotomy of it is wonderful and it is, uh, I'm thankful that I have these children. But then on the other hand, my uh, fight to be mother did not stop when I gave birth to them. Right. But now, see, that's so interesting because that is when I'm reading that piece, I was like, I kind of also I everything you say in it about the the wall, the feeling, the like, it's not my DNA. It's not my, you know, they don't look like me. They're not going to. It's not. I know those aren't my eyes. Right. Like that kind right. of thing. Exactly. I'm, reading all that and I'm like, I hear you and I see you. 
I also wanted to say, be nice to yourself. <laughs> but that's an easy thing to say on the outside. I, sure. Because it's your, it's the experience you're having. And I, I feel like the work is also your own work on what is mother, right? Right. What, what does it mean to be a mother? What does it mean yeah. to be family? What is nature versus nurture? nurture? And there have been things that my kids have done or said or ways that they've looked at me that mm-hmm. I have I have just been stunned to say, but yeah, but that's not possible that they could have gotten it from me. And some of it really amazes me. Yeah. Some of the things I had mentioned in the essay I wrote was my daughter has these long, luscious eyelashes. Lovely eyelashes, right. And my mother did, and I do, and people have commented on my whole life. And I remember posting on Facebook when we were going through all the infertility, I remember saying, it would be a crime for me not to pass on these eyelashes. (laughs) And then... Sure enough, she comes out and she has these long, dark eyelashes that are just beautiful, framing her big blue eyes. And I think, you know, that's just kind of a kind of a little nudge from God saying, you know, I see it. I know you wanted it. And so here's, you know, a little kind of a gift. Another thing I mentioned was um, those two, you know, those two bumps are uh, two little divots on your, on the back of your pelvis that right underneath your spine. It's where our tails were. I'm just kidding. Right, exactly. <laughs> sort of. Um, so sort of, those kinda. two little right. dots are, yeah. I didn't know that I figured everybody had them because I have them. Yeah. Turns out that's not true. That's not it's true. Genetic. I'm like literally touching my back, everybody, as she's <laughs> talking too. about it. I'm right. like, what's happening? Right, me too. So everybody right now touch your, those are back, called yeah. your dimples of Venus. We'll do a little anatomy <laughs> lesson. Oh I got dimples, your... but they ain't Venus. Anyway, whoa, zing, zing. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> those might be somewhere else. Those are um, in lots of places. <laughs> So those are genetic, just like the ability to roll your tongue into a into a circle is genetic. And I didn't know that. I didn't uh, know it was that. something that one day when I was looking up what are those oh, sure. things called. When you were beating out. yourself up about right. the, the, whatever choice but, you made. Exactly. <laughs> but both of my kids have those. Oh my gosh. And I have honestly never looked at my husband's naked butt more than I have to. So <laughs> I, you know, have never <laughs> noticed whether he has them, but somebody did and yeah. passed them on because both of my kids have them. And every day when I get them out of their baths and dry them off, I think, oh, well, look, that's another little thing that we share that was improbable, but is some kind of a a reassurance from a higher power that says these kids are yours. They are connected to you. You are more their mother than anybody else. It's so interesting. I have spoken to a lot of parents and I also look at my own, the things that I carry around with me when it comes to questioning my role or who I am in connection with these children, you know, but we've heard stories of, well, if it's a C-section, I'm not connected to my children. It's not the same. Or if I had drugs in childbirth, it's not, oh, honey, I was shot like a deer running (laughs) through the woods, just epidural me like with a gun. Or if they were adopted or if there was an egg donor or if there was a surrogate, right? Like there are constantly these questions, I think. And I I just hate it. I think I'm only bringing this up because I kind of hate it because we're all doing our best to be the parent. And isn't that 
enough. It should be enough, and right. I want it to be enough. I want I mean, it to there, be enough. <laughs> there are a million ways to feel like you are falling short, yeah. and on top of the normal ways of you right. know, I'm I'm not feeding them healthy enough. I'm ignoring them too much because they're right. driving me nuts, yeah. or I am not exposing them to enough of the world so that they <laughs> they understand things. On top of that is also. Oh, and we don't share any DNA. And I know. I'm like, you gotta, yeah, but you still, like, see, this is where I am. I'm an older woman. I, was, <laughs> I tell people I was raised Southern and Catholic, which means I don't want to know anything. But I like to think I know lots of things. So to me, look, I get the science, everybody. No one has, I, you're welcome to write me an email if you would like. I get the science. But you also put all those things together. In your body. <laughs> then right. You pushed it out. And I just, right. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I feel like that. that's above and beyond. That's <laughs> like above and beyond in the process. I understand the DNA thing. But I also am like, I don't know. It was your kitchen, your pots. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I, and I tell my kids that... I try to tell them that they're extra special because yeah. it took three people to make them instead yeah. of just two. And, and, you know, make it seem like this wasn't a, a bad thing, but talk up the positives of yeah. you You had you had three people that made you, and that makes you awesome because most yeah. people only have two. See, but this is the talking about it. This is why the talking about it is important because when we talk about these things and normalize that this is additionally a way to get kids in your house, that we can lose the stigma of people even considering that it might be bad. I mean, like, right. you know, like I try and spend the positive. It's up. It's up. It, it should, we shouldn't even like that wording comes from us constantly being fed bullshit. Sorry, guys. Agreed. I am yeah. very angry today. I am having one of those days, everybody, so watch out for the wrap-up. But, like, it's it's true. I also think you've done such, at least in the essays that you've written, <laughs> don't know what you do in your house on your own. But You can't even imagine. I'm sure, but I'm going to just assume <laughs> that you're really good at this. But the way you lay out how you talk to your children about where they come from and like how they were born and conceived and and you acknowledge that it's currently appropriate for this age and then one day it may be more and here and I how how much pre-thought did you put into that or did that like I mean did you like (laughs) because I'm always trying to figure out what to say to people to my children and people I (laughs) There is very little that I don't give an enormous amount of thought to. Um, That's just the way I'm built. And uh, when we decided to go this route, we agreed that I didn't ever want there to be a before and after for my kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't want them to say, and that was the day that my life changed. (laughs) 
I'm sure they will have that, yeah. but it, at least about this subject, right. I didn't ever want there to be a, a before and an after moment where suddenly they found out that they weren't as related to their mother as they thought. Right. So I bought books. I bought books intended for very young children. And I, I thought, well, how can I remember to do this on a regular basis so that they don't forget? So I thought their birthdays were as good a time oh, as any because we were yeah. talking about them anyhow. And that's when it all happened. So I bought a book that had a rabbit, a rabbit family that wanted babies and they couldn't make babies. And so then suddenly another rabbit shows up at their door with a little basket and gives them the extra part that they need. So uh, I remember my son once told me that he knew where babies come from, that God creates everything and that a rabbit shows up and gives you two pieces of a cookie and that's where babies come from. And makes I was as like, much sense as anything else sometimes. Right. It's like that's that's close. Close yeah, there. Really close. <laughs> so um I told him on his birthday, his birthday was last month, and I told him now we've ditched the books because yeah. he's old enough that that's a little bit a little bit too babyish for him. Right. But I said that we tried really hard and and it didn't happen for a number of reasons. And so there was a very generous woman that gave us a little teeny tiny bit of herself. And he said, oh, I remember that from the rabbit book. So despite whether I think they're listening, they are listening. (laughs) (laughs) At least least to bits, bits and pieces of it. Bits and pieces. So, uh, you know, I want them to understand that uh, they we took a, a bit from this woman and a bit from daddy and the doctors mixed them together and then they put it inside my belly and then that's how they grew. And then the, the gory bits we've left out well, sure. for, when, for when they're older. But I think there will be a day when it crosses their mind that what that means, that, oh, that mm. means that I didn't get any... DNA. I didn't get any genetics, any cells from my mom. Now, I have read research that little tiny bits of the baby's DNA will float in the mom forever. And, yeah. and, yeah, you and got like, some of theirs. Right. And yeah. so that connects us. And they were physically in my body. And, yeah. and that was sort of the compromise that we came to of if I can't make enough eggs for IVF to be successful, then at least I can still participate by carrying and giving birth to the kids. Honey, you participate um, every day. Well, yes, <laughs> that is true too. <laughs> I mean, it's a little like, I mean, in retrospect, it's a little like, well, that was a very short, like in a package right. thing. Now, right. this is way, wow. Where is <laughs> I could take about yeah. eight extra people magically showing up on my door with cookies right now. That, that would be, I would take that. Absolutely. Yes. No oh, more extra babies, however. Uh, yeah. No, no yeah. none of those. No more of those. But oh, cookies yeah. I would take. Cookies. I could eat them in the bathroom with my dog. I like the idea of this bunny story suggesting that Girl Scouts are secretly <laughs> surrogates bringing cookies and helping rabbits. I, I, they might be a little bit young to be so no, no, that's you know. true. That's yeah. true. There might but, be some legalities to that that we yeah, should look I'm into. Yeah, I'm just thinking, though, if I wanted to start a weird conspiracy theory, this could <laughs> that, be That's it. right up there. That's right up there. It's as believable as the rest of the theories that are out there. It really is. Yes. Yeah. So this was, it was planned. We definitely, I definitely well, see, wanted to have a plan of how, plan. well, besides the conspiracy up. theory, I didn't. No. no um, you just I, chose a different path. 
and and that's the one we've stuck to and I want them to understand that it doesn't make me love them any less it doesn't mean that we're not still connected we we have um a saying that I taught my kids that there's family that you choose and that comes from uh, both my parents are gone and uh, I have another family who is very dear to me who helped step in and raise me when my mother no longer could and they were they sent me off to college they paid my college entrance fees and helped me move and came to my wedding and so they're they're sort of our surrogate family and so we call them grandma and grandpa and so they said you know our your parents are dead. How can they be our grandma and grandpa? And I said, well, there's family that you're related to, that you're born into, and then there's family that you choose. Right. And one day, not too long ago, my my son mentioned something about this, and, and could that be possible? And my daughter said, no, just like Mama said, there's family that you choose. They can yeah. be related to us. That's so once again, they're listening. Yeah, be careful. They're listening. they're listening. That's a good one. And so we we chose them where they were very, very planned. And we've given a whole lot of thought to how to handle that. Because yeah. if you if you don't, you can get be caught flat footed and say something that you don't intend or give them oh, the yeah. wrong impression. And, and let's save and, that for all the other things that they're right, going to ask Right, because that's us. going to happen when we talk about sex. When, oh, when, yeah. we, talk about, when <laughs> we talk about how exactly the baby gets in there. Not a bunny. Knocking exactly. on your door. It's not a Girl Scout. It's not a cookie. It is definitely something else. Something else. And well, I, I, there's we've plenty got of awkwardness list, left. Long <laughs> list of books we can highly recommend <laughs> uh, to just leave Lane about the house. Uh, yes, That's how I did it. Yes. I was like, oh, how did, how did this book get here? How did that end up there? Whoa. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Everybody, we're going to link you up to where you can find all of these articles. You can find out more about Megan. Uh, you can find her blog, as well as the podcast that you produce. You, you Yeah, help sure. That would produce. be great. Yeah. Who doesn't want to also listen to more podcasts, everybody? Thank you so much. Thank you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by KiwiCo. Why do flowers bloom? How do caterpillars turn into butterflies? Spring brings along new curiosities and a chance for kids to connect with the world around them. KiwiCo delivers monthly science and art projects that celebrate a child's natural curiosity and sparks a love for lifelong learning. And as a bonus, these Kiwi crates make it a lot easier as a parent to help answer these questions for your children. The great thing about KiwiCo is they've got different crates for different stages and ages. Projects that are suitable for kids under five all the way up to adults, baby. Stefan is currently working on one of the maker's kits and he's doing a coiled rope basket. Step into spring and celebrate the season of discovery with the KiwiCo subscription. Get 30% off your first month free plus free shipping on any crate line with the code BADMOTHER at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code BADMOTHER. One Bad Mother is supported in part by BetterHelp Online 
therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you have in your life, your relationship with yourself. Therapy has been the most critical element of me reconnecting with myself as a self. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And One Bad Mother listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash badmother. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206 350 9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Genius me, me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. Okay, I will. I went to the store It's Easter, and it's not anywhere near Easter, guys, but the Easter candy is out, and longtime listeners to the show know that uh, long before I buy candy for my children, (laughs) I got to get myself the robin eggs, and I got myself the little carton. I don't know why it's in a carton. Not sure why eggs come in a carton, but I like it because I can just open it up and pour it down my throat like a glass of milk. It's really made my day having these robin eggs within arm's reach. I'm doing a great job! (laughs) Hey, one bad mother. Um, It's a genius. It's a genius that's been called before asking for what you need. (laughs) Uh, My five-year-old is really struggling with pickups from preschool because... We get her kind of like smack in the middle of the extended day hour, and she started freaking out about not wanting to leave her project. So yesterday, on Monday, I called the school on my way driving over there, and I asked them if someone could like give her a heads up that I'm coming. and. The director who I talked to said, oh, they're outside now on the playground. I will bring out her bag and make sure that the class doesn't go inside until you get here. And I could have cried. I literally said I love you to the director because I do. Thank you. Yes. Directors of preschools right now and all the time, but especially for looking out for my kid. And it was so easy to just ask. It was actually kind of hard to ask. It's hard to make that call. Literally, the first thing I said was, I hope this isn't too much to ask. And then I asked. And guess what? It wasn't too much to ask. And she was really happy to do it because she wants to make things easy for my kid, too. (sighs) I'm doing a great job. So are you. 
And I love you guys. <laughs> I love you. I also love your preschool director. I love your child. I love everything about this. Asking for help. Asking for help. This is something we can all do, really regardless of if we have kids living in our house. It is okay to ask for help. You did not ask the director of the preschool to come help paint your fence or help you move heavy furniture. You asked them for something that was within total reason. And what a difference it made. Not only did it take down your anxiety of going into the situation, because man, I hate going to pickups or whatever where I know I'm probably walking into a trap, like some sort of yell fest. I'm about to be yelled at or something, right? So in asking, that got to go away and it really helped your kid. And you're right. They do want to help your kid. They do. It's like back a million years ago when I called the vet and I said, I have a screaming child in my car. I can't take them out and put them in and get the cat. Will you come out to the car and get my cat? And they said, yes, we will. Because they're not assholes, right? It's not just that we didn't marry an asshole. We are probably not surrounded by assholes, okay? So I just good job. You are doing such a good job. And thank you for calling this in and reminding us all. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, me. Okay, see, now, if Teresa was here, Teresa would get all over me about this fail. But I still feel like shit that uh, Ellis isn't swimming. I do. I do. I, you know, like, look, I've worked through all this. I know. Should I have shoved him in when he was, like, four? Should I, you know, we did some lessons when he was really little, and then we had to stop for whatever reason, and then start it again. And, like, it just, it just wasn't something that ever happened. And I tried my best, but... It didn't work. And seeing him sitting on the side of that pool, I I do somehow feel like I've failed on some level. And that sucks. I know. I know. But doesn't mean I don't feel that way. Hi. I'm calling with a fail. I just went to go pick up my two-and-a-half-year-old from school, and she's not there. She's <laughs> not there because she's at my mom's. She's at my mom's because that's where I dropped her off this morning after her doctor's appointment when it was too late for her to go to school. This is the second time I've done that this year. It's only February. So I'm going to go get her from my mom's, and I'm pretty sure her teachers think I'm crazy. You're doing a good job. I'm doing an okay job remembering to go pick up my kid but having no idea where she actually is. Goodbye. Yeah, I mean, it's a glass half full, glass half empty sort of patting yourself on the back that you're experiencing. Yeah, you didn't know where your child was. That We don't have to say much more about that. You are a failure. <laughs> no, you're not. You are the 
I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go! Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today! All right, everybody. Woo! It's been a show. Let's snuggle up and listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, this is a rant from a not a mom yet, but someone who wants to be a mom. Just having a bad day. My husband and I have been trying for six years to have a baby, and am I too old for this? I'm 41 now. Am I too old for this? I Everyone that I know either has kids already or has decided not to, and I feel alone and... I feel like, why am I even trying anymore? But my God, I want a kid so bad. But am I too old for this? It's it's so hard. It's so hard. Thanks for listening. Bye. I want you to know what an amazing job you're doing. I There is very little space for me to answer any of those questions that that you are asking. But what I do want to do is make sure that you feel heard and you just got heard by a lot of people, many of whom are dealing with similar feelings. I really want you to know that you are not alone. And that this is really hard. I I mean, that's, it can feel like you are alone. 
it can feel like everybody around you has figured it out or it was really easy or they got really lucky. And the question of am I too old rattles all of us at different times. I do not think there is ever a time in which we are too old to have a kid in our house, okay? And I just want you to know, I think you're amazing. And I see you. I see you. Everybody, I, look, I wish the lessons changed. I wish we learned something really new every week. But we don't. We seem to, what's that thought of like, am I paying attention to the synchronicities in my life? Am I paying attention to the messages that, that they're, the universe is trying to send me? Well, the message seems to be, listen to each other. Let Share your experiences. If it feels like you're not supposed to talk about it, that's the wrong thing. And if you think you're alone, you're not. All right? There is no one way, easy way, everybody's doing it this way, way to get a kid in your house. There are also no easy decisions. And also, when we see somebody doing something that seems scary and unnatural to us, it doesn't mean that it's bad or wrong, or that we might not find ourselves facing a very similar situation in which we have to make a very hard choice. I really love Megan's piece about the strength of surrendering, and it gives me so many different things to think about when it comes to how I'm walking through the world. And it reminds me of the invisible pressures that I put upon myself that I'm not really sure who's putting them on me outside of myself. Everybody, you're doing a remarkable job because you also are walking through all this. It's very hard. No one's great at it. <laughs> But that doesn't mean you're not finding joy in it and that you aren't doing a good job because you are. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. 
One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.